You're listening to the Screeners Podcast Network. All right, guys, welcome back to the Next Trek Podcast. Every week, we break down the latest episode of Star Trek Discovery and give our thoughts on the final frontier. My name is Chris. And I'm Tyler. And I'm Kate. And we're back to talk about Discovery. But this this week, we're kind of just easing ourselves in to what the, the second season is going to bring, and that is Spock. Our crew of the Discovery is going to encounter Spock in some form or another. Uh, so we sort of thought, let's talk about Spock this week. Let's talk about our, our, favorite, uh, our favorite moments. We've all kind of put together our lists, whatever those... Uh, whatever criteria we really decided on, we weren't we weren't too specific, and we are going to just talk about um, all things all things Spock. But before we do that, um, we wanted I wanted to just go around and ask you guys what kind of general geekery are you are you getting into recently? Um, Kate, what about you? What are you what have you been consuming geek wise recently? Uh, currently, I am doing a reread of the Ender's Game primary series. Um, I'm on uh, Xenocide, the next to the last uh, book in the primary series. So um, it's old favorites right now. Awesome. Chris, what about you? What are you consuming geek-wise? Well, this is so funny because I really didn't even think about this before you asked the question. So it's almost like I'm being put on the spot at this very moment. Um, but oh, that's so weird. I know, right? I, I don't know what's going on. But here, here, here's what I will say. Um, every year, Bill Gates puts out a list of books to read. I don't know if you oh, guys yeah. are familiar with this or not. And yes, uh, one yes. of the books that really piqued my interest, and I just finished last week, um, was uh, called Bad Blood. Uh, oh, I don't know if exactly. That looks good. It is unbelievably great. It's not really geekery. I mean, I guess it kind of is because it's about a Silicon Valley startup that was all about um, this little small machine. They, they, they had claimed they'd built this small machine that would be able to screen just a little bit of blood, just like a, a tiny prick of, from your finger's worth of blood. And they'd be able to test for like hundreds of things in your blood. And they claimed all these amazing things. They had investors from all over the valley, all over the world, really. Uh, and people really bought into it. And as it turns out, it was all a scam. None of it actually yeah. worked. Um, you know, it created one of the very first female uh, billionaires in a tech company. Um, and so it's just this fascinating story. The book is really spectacular because it really it reads like a thriller. It goes uh, it's not really like a most nonfiction books where very dry and they talk about interviews and all this kind of stuff. But it's actually very well put together. The narrative is just so well paced that I just couldn't put it down. I think I finished, I listened to the audiobook and I believe I finished it in less than a week, which is kind of a new record for me. So I couldn't recommend it higher. Uh, Bad Blood uh, is, is, is pretty spectacular. Awesome. Uh, that sounds great. I've heard of the book, but I haven't met anybody who's read it. So that's, that's good to know. Yeah. Um, well, now you do. You I know me. Picked, there we go. See? Oh, wait, hang uh, on. I wanted to say this too. Sorry. Yeah. I watched the th first three episodes of the Orville uh, season two. I have not seen the third episode yet. Uh, I'm behind on the reviews that I'm supposed to be writing for it. What did you think of what did you think of them? Uh, they're bad. They're not good. Yeah, I agreed. Ouch. They're not good. They just aren't. I'm not sure if I'm going to continue. I, I, I've, I've been kind of like passively watching them um, and somewhat enjoying like the first season. It was okay. But the this second season is just like, 
What? This it's all like lowest common denominator, like oh, I, really low brow. The third episode is is a, is, I heard is it's fart jokes in the third, but I'm not sure. Fart jokes. I thought that's what somebody told me, but maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. There there are there are a few moments like that, but there, it's it's a little bit better. The main story in the third one gets better. Um, but it still just feels cheap. The the part that I like the most about the third episode is that um, Robert, uh, who plays the doctor on Voyager. Oh, Picardo. Oh, I heard he was Picardo. on it. Yeah, Robert, Robert Picardo's Picardo. in it, and so is the guy who played Neelix is in it. Get and out, Ethan Phillips well, is. Ethan they, they sit in the same room and have a conversation. It is pretty nice. cool. That's my favorite moment. And the rest and of the show. And has nothing to do with our cast. Nothing. <laughs> nothing. It's just, it's just not all that not all that great. Aww. So anyway, yeah, yeah. I'm I I'm my my feelings on the Orville are becoming more and more uh, cemented in my heart, yeah. and I think I'm gonna just pass it by for a little while. If if I was to start the Orville, uh, like start watching it with season two, I think I would agree with you. the The first episode, I was I kind of gave it a pass. I was like, you know what? Okay, we it's kind of an orient a reorientation back with the crew. You know, where is everybody? What's going on? There's no. Uh, no mission, I think, or almost no mission. They're picking somebody up. Um, and, and it's just very okay. Um, and then the second episode is, oh, sorry. Their mission in the first episode is that Bortus has to pee. Yep. That's their mission. I forgot about that. Uh, because he only pees once a year. Yeah. Um, I, I will say they restrained themselves from being as gross as they could. Like, actually they weren't gross with it, but the second episode is is uh, about porn addiction. Um, yeah, yeah, that's which true. I frankly, it's one of those things like that 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 Star Trek nerds have basically all just joked about what obviously clearly goes on in the holodeck. Um, <laughs> you know, like, but but it it doesn't work. The jokes, the humor doesn't work because it's a married man cheating on his on his spouse. Um, and yeah. so, like, yeah. it, it should be played with, like, with Barkley for laughs. Like, he's going into these really cheesy, just cliched as all get out scenarios. You know, he goes in for a, do- a checkup and it turns into something steamy. Um, but it doesn't work because it's this guy cheating on his husband. So, it, that, yeah, it doesn't work. That is the problem, is that they, they, they are not writing the, this is a meaningful story, right. and also this is a gross-out comedy. Right. It's. It, they're, it, mm-hmm. It's just not the tonal yeah. shift is just not working. I wish no. they would go one way or the, I wish they would go full Rick and Morty with the yeah. whole thing where it's all just ridiculous. But for yeah. some reason, they want to keep it like, no, this is actually happening in the Star Trek The Next Generation world. Yeah. But there's all this, this really silly stuff happening. And I'm just like, I'm I'm out. Yeah, I'm I'm getting there, which which uh, stinks a little bit because I'm, I'm set to review episode by episode the whole season for uh, for the rest of it for Ready, Steady, Cut. So I'm like, oh, well, all right, guys. Well, it's going to get negative, uh, yeah. which is kind of how my review of Doctor Who the last season went. It it, it was an uneven first season, I think, too, for, for something very similar. So, I stopped watching it. Did you guys watch the new season? Of- I was I was reviewing it. So, yeah, I watched every episode, but it... Uh, Kate, it um, Kate, did you watch it? I saw... I saw the first episode and then forgot about it for a while, so I haven't gone back. Yeah, that's what happened to me. That That's the thing that's like most – as soon as you said that, Tyler, I was like, oh, yeah. that's right. I've got a whole like – yeah. There are some good episodes in there. So there are some some powerful, powerful moving episodes. Rosa and Demons of the Punjab are very good, but they underwrite the characters 
Um, and there is no point to the season. There's no, there's no arc to the season. The one thing, and I know we can get into this and I, I may even cut this out of this episode, but what I've heard is, is that they made the doctor have no personal, like, um, uh, stakes. No, yeah, but no, no, no personal issue. Like she's always just right on point and she's always knows what to do. She's not conflicted, no personal conflict. She's just ready to rock and roll and she's all good. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's kind of uninteresting. Yeah, they took her back to classic. They took her back to classic Who, but the Who reboot part of what I think hooked so many audiences was that conflict. Yeah. You know, after the time war with you know the ninth Doctor, what he was dealing with with the tenth Doctor, etc. Yeah. And by he was flawed. It, back before yeah. that, it's like I, I don't know. Yeah, the, the emotions aren't. It, there. it would be kind of like watching Data be be the all the show, and it's like and, and just being fine with being who he is without moving forward no conflict yeah Yeah, not looking for any like any emotion and not wanting to be anything more than he already is that's unfortunate i don't know if that was a star trek short i would watch it no 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 no, don't get me wrong it's fine (laughs) Data's just like eh, you know what what i mean what i mean is is that yeah of course data waters the plant now that we know who data is yes but i'm just saying if they started off with a character like data and we didn't know anything about him or anybody who was surrounded it would be kind of a boring show to just follow data because right. there's nobody there to bounce. You know what I mean? Anyway. So, right. I don't know what I'm no, saying. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. I, I agree. And that's, it's, there are some, like I said, powerful episodes in the show and she, don't get me wrong. She acts the heck out of it. She does a great job. It, it is, it's not, it is not written in the way that we are, are used to Dr. Who being written in the, in the you know reboot era. And, mm-hmm. uh, and it's so shocking coming from Chris Chibnall who, you know, wrote Broadchurch, who is a, an intricate character driven plot writer, you know, and he doesn't juggle multiple characters very well. Uh, he, and she doesn't have an arc. Um, and there are some episodes that are dumb, like just dumb, but, um, yeah. Yeah. I watched one. I think the one involving spiders in a hotel, like I was just like, arachnids in the UK exclamation point. That's dumb. Yeah. I watched that and I was like, Oh guys, Chris Noth, uh, Mr. Big from sex in the city playing, uh, playing Donald Trump. Uh, yeah. yeah, it was, yeah, Ew. it was, it was so rough. terrible. Ew. It was, that was an awful episode. Yeah. All right. You were doing nothing to convince me to get around to no, watching this. Thanks. Skip. Uh, there's, there's like three episodes you should really watch. The Rosa demons in the Punjab and, uh, one episode that's just really trippy and, and good. Uh, and I'm forgetting what it's called right now. It's, Oh, they, they, um, it's it's like they come at night or something like that, or they take they take you away. I think that's what it's called. They take you away. Um, is a is a really good creepy eerie episode in the in the vein of like uh, Blink or something like that. But um, mm, no angels. Okay. So um, anyway, yeah. So that's what we've been consuming. I, I guess we've been getting through uh, some Doctor Who. I, I read Artemis uh, by Andy Weir recently. That was my big read. What did you think? I really liked it. I really liked it a lot. It's very, uh, really? very different from The Martian, right? Very different. It's a heist novel, uh, um, and so it's it. If you are on the moon, on the moon, it's a heist novel set on the moon. If you're expecting uh, The Martian, you're not getting. You're getting the hard science, which I, I did appreciate. Very hard science. I like her character. I think she's intriguing. Um, but and she reminded me of somebody the whole time, but I couldn't put my finger on who she reminded me of. Did maybe, you did maybe, you listen to it or did you read it? I listened to it, so it was uh, Rosario Dawson, Dawson reading yeah, it. Yeah. Oh, and she, I just, I love her just yeah. a little bit anyway. So, uh, yeah, I, I thought Artemis was fantastic, and just kind of to plug our uh, our our former episode um, and our friend of the podcast Daniel Abraham, um, 
Daniel Abraham and Ty Frank, who, who co-write The Expanse um, book series, sat down with Andy Weir and basically plotted out how their books um, are in his universe, or his books are in their universe, that they all actually are continuous. So I still don't understand how that works, totally but works. okay. We're going to accept it. Uh, so let's, let's, Hey, let's reorient ourselves just a little bit here. Uh, there's one more, one last thing, uh, I've been pushing this and I don't know actually if, if, um, Chris and Katie have listened to this, but I, I've been, I don't know. I've been pushing this, this podcast, um, for forever. Um, the Varieties podcast called TV takes did an interview with Alex Kurtzman the other day. Um, I don't want to summarize the entire thing, but really to say, if anybody's listening to this, uh, that has not listened to that interview, um, this is their most recent, uh, episode. Um, they did an interview with Alex Kurtzman, who is the new showrunner, and he's been working on Discovery um, this entire time, but now this season he's the showrunner. And it is a fantastic interview. Uh, he, he basically just talks about the ethos of, of how they went about um, setting up the Picard show, how they went about going into season two of Discovery, and, and even expanding into this um, these other shows that they have planned, Lower Deck, uh, the Giorgio Section 30, 31 show, um, the kids animated series that they that they are reportedly working on too, um, and really just kind of talks about um, how they are purposefully trying to, to not exploit, uh, but to really to tell good stories and make sure they're they're being true to, to Star Trek. So mm-hmm. um, to anybody, I'd say really listen to that. It's, it's not a long interview. It's 30 minutes um, out of a... The podcast episode is longer, but his interview is the first part of it. So, um, I'll I'll include a link to that when we when we post the episode. So now let's move on to uh, our discussion of Spock. All right. So we decided that as uh, Star Trek Discovery is is coming back on Thursday, we've got Spock uh, being introduced as well as Captain Pike uh, Number One uh, the, the, and the Enterprise are being introduced to season two. We don't really know exactly what form that's going to take. But with such a classic character coming back to, uh, or coming into Star Trek Discovery, we, we thought we'd kind of give our audience a little bit of a, a primer into Spock. Now, um, I assume that if you're listening to us, you, you at least have some familiarity with Star Trek, that you like it in some way. Um, but at the very least, to, to maybe give yourself a glimpse into what we think about Star Trek, uh, we decided to kind of go around and choose our top five Spock moments each. Chris? Tell us, what did you start with? What is your number five Spock moment? All right, so listen, obviously they have been um, now, what? This is going to be the third Spock iteration played by the third actor. Is that correct? Or is there more Spocks? Well, there have been like some younger Spocks and stuff like that. But if we're going mainstream Spock, I think we, we stay right. with Right, okay. That's what, I guess that's what I'm thinking, more like adult Spock. Yeah. There have been Spock kids, right? Um, okay, so yes. Um, so for me, I wanted to at least start with Zachary Quinto's um, version of it. Obviously, I think he is a lesser Spock, not because he's not a bad, he's a bad uh-huh. actor, but just because, you know, Leonard Nimoy is Spock uh, in my book. But I do think he did a great job. And so I wanted to call to one of my favorite moments from his portrayal of the character. Um, I really enjoy when the crew of the Enterprise show that they are, they like to have fun with one another. Like they, they, they've become familiar, familiar, f- familiar. They become like a family with one another. Um, and um, so there's a moment in Star Trek Beyond when they need to find Uhura. Um, and, you know, they don't know where she went. And Spock just blurts out, oh, yeah, no, I gave my 
uh, I gave Uhura a piece of jewelry um, that was, you know, slightly radioactive. And then McCoy looks and says, you gave your girlfriend radioactive jewelry? And Spock was like, well, you know, it's just a little bit of radiation. It's not going to hurt her. And then he says, wait a minute, you gave your girlfriend a tracking device? And then Spock looks at him and like, well, that wasn't my intention. It's just this great, like, banter that I love that we've gotten from Spock and McCoy since, you know, whatever, day one almost. And so, like, that's what I love about that 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 relationship is, like, his ability to love, but love in his Spock way. Um, and that moment I really enjoy from Star Trek Beyond is, you know, that wasn't my intention. Didn't mean to give her a tracking device, but uh, it's funny and fun. So uh, that's where I'm starting, number five. That's a good one. Yeah, I love it. I started uh, Beyond was I think that did that whole all of those relationships just the best. It felt like a, a good episode. I liked it. Yeah, a good fun episode. I, yeah. You know, yeah, absolutely. Kate, what did you say for your number five? So I should preference my picks with um, a slight explanation that I didn't specifically do my favorite moments. I did moments that I thought uh, were important to understanding Spock, uh, specifically with regards to his family. Mm. So these are family things um, that I picked. So my number five is actually a little bit of a cheat because it's uh, a couple of episodes. It's um, Unification 1 and 2 from Star Trek The Next Generation Season 5, Episodes 7 and 8. Fantastic two-parter where uh, Leonard Nimoy is a part of his uh, contract for um, uh, being in the Undiscovered Country. Uh, made He was the first original series character to show up in The Next Generation and, and to make that a possibility. Uh, it's a fantastic uh, pairing of episodes where uh, we get to see Sarek, his father, uh, spoiler alert, dying and then dies uh, in these episodes. And the significance of those relationships you get to see... Um, uh, Spock's uh, stepmother, Perrin, uh, Sarek's second wife, uh, she is here as well. And it's this uh, episode, uh, or pair of episodes, also pairs really well with season three. Um, there is an episode called Sarek where Picard and Sarek mind meld. And these two episodes are kind of the completion of that mini arc. Hmm. Uh, but it's it's a it's a look into how Sarek feels about his son. And then in Unification, how... Uh, Spock reacts to his father's death and how he interacts with Picard, who carries uh, remnants of of the mind meld with Sarek, uh, still in him, and how he keeps hearing his father coming out of, of Picard. And just a wonderful series of conversations that you get um, a goodbye to the father, but a look into um, um, uh, Spock's feelings about his father at a much later point in life. There's also some great moments with he, uh, with Spock and Data in in that yeah. particular, because yes. that, that's definitely something that people have always wanted and compared Data with Spock since Next Generation came around, and to see mm-hmm. them in the same room together and talking back and forth about um, logic and humanity is uh, is is quite striking and uh, quite quite yeah. great. So yeah, no, great right. great episodes. Um, there's also just a bit of trivia for you. Um, in um, October of 1991, Gene Roddenberry died. In November, Unification aired. And in December, The Undiscovered Country came out. So there was a lot of Star Jeez. Trek happening at the end of 91. Holy cow. Yeah. That's crazy. That is crazy. For me, Unification, we had that on VHS. I That's probably the episode of Star Trek, I've, of Star Trek's Next Generation, I've seen the most. Just because it was one of the few that we had really? on VHS. Yeah, not not even because I, I I mean I do like it, but not I would say best of both worlds both worlds is my favorite, but just I wore the heck out of that tape because it's what I had. 
and Spock's in it. Uh, number five is Mirror Mirror, which is just one of the best episodes of, of Star Trek the original series, I think, uh, anyway. It introduces us to this whole extra extra universe, but we get bearded, goateed Spock in uh, in Mirror Mirror, which uh, which I think is just is great. But also that we get we get the fact that Spock is not um, that different. Like mirror mirror universe is all, all everybody is all like uh, violent and and uh, brutal, but Spock is just kind of still himself. He's still this this good man who uses logic to dictate his actions, mm. um, and it kind of doesn't matter what universe we spot, find Spock in. He is still the same kind of person, except this time he has a beard. Doesn't he have a beard in the new Discovery trailer too? He does. Oh yeah, that was the other reason. I so forgot why I chose precedent that. for that. I, I chose. I really like this one because uh, yes, it ties into uh, to Star Trek Discovery because we've already been in the Mirror Universe. But man, people freaked out about the beard when the trailer came out. I mean, I could like, he be from the Mirror Universe? I mean, oh, I didn't even think about that. But mm. what you didn't think about that? It's the first thing I thought about when I saw him. Everybody knows Spock with Fail. a. Tyler Fay. Sorry, and I even chose the episode. Guys, I quit everything. No, it's good. I thought this is where you were going. I thought this is the no, end of this I is really going wait. to be, and my theory is he's potentially not our Spock. And my theory is he's potentially not our Spock. <laughs> I'm just saying. You, you're throwing down the I, facts. I'm 100% correct. Uh, I am I am the master of all just everything and clearly thought about this myself with no prompting from anyone else just now. Boom. You. you are much better than all of us. I, I just am. I just yep. am. You're right. You yeah, are. Totally. You are. Chris, uh, even though, I mean, I don't, I don't really see why there's a point, but Chris, why don't you do your number four? <laughs> yeah, I know. I, look, I'm going to be honest with everyone listening. I am the i've told these guys i am the everyman okay like i i'm not really a, a original series guy um i never have really loved the original series so i don't have a lot of spock knowledge um so next generation the little bits that he was in there and of course the movies i fell in love with um so all of my picks are from the films um because i love those movies i think they're fantastic except for five everything else Ooh, is yeah five is five's rough why does God need a starship? I don't. My favorite. <laughs> I do think that's still in my top five lines of Star Trek. Is oh, excuse me, excuse me. Why does Why does God need a starship? <laughs> or what does God need with a starship? Everything else in that movie is bad, but that that line is really good. No, no, no. Exactly. That that line is really bad. That, that's what no! you mean. No, no, it I think is it's so bad. It's yeah, bad. that's yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. It's, okay. It's, oh. Well, Chris, I want to reassure you, once you get to my full five, I think you'll appreciate my picks then since you... you yeah. No, no. I, I look, here, here's the thing, too. Like, I, I love it because the... Like I said before, this crew has become a family and their banter is what I love. And so my next pick is another moment of just total understanding because they've lived life together for so many years. And, of course, the audience has lived life with these characters for so many years and being able to see them interact in this almost non-literal um, way is fantastic. There's a moment in Star Trek VI when they are looking for evidence that will tie what they know to be a bird of prey has shot a torpedo uh, uh, towards um, the, uh, the president of the Klingon Empire. And they know they're being framed. They just need to find the assassins. And so... 
they're being called back to Earth by Starfleet, and um, and Mr. Scott walks in, and um, Spock says to Scotty, Mr. Scott, I understand you're having trouble with a warp drive. And then Scott looks at um, Spock and says, there's nothing wrong with the bloody... And then he says, Mr. Scott, if we turn around and go back, the assassins will discard their footwear and we'll never see the captain or Mr. McCoy again. And then Scotty, without hitting, missing a beat, says, could take weeks, sir, turns around and leaves. And it's just this well, wonderful does. moment of like... No, there's nothing wrong. Oh, that's right. I understand the stakes now. Yep, nope, could take weeks. And it's just a hilarious moment of wonderful built-up trust and friendship that they just mm-hmm. immediately click into gear. The audience appreciates it. We understand it. They yeah. get it. And it's just this beautiful, funny, but also uh, meaningful moment. So I love that. Could take weeks, sir. And then he walks away. It's it's great. Well, and Spock which I always Scotty. find even... Go ahead. Go, go ahead. So I always find that even funnier anytime uh, Scotty makes statements like that because there's a running joke about how he inflates yeah. his repair time so he can be, you know, a miracle worker. And so, like, that joke works on an additional level because of Exactly, because normally, you know, I don't have the power, Captain. You know, that's always the joke. Everything's always, bro- like you said, it's always broken. No, no, everything's fine. Oh, wait, no, you're right. Uh, okay, fine. Could take yeah. weeks. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Oh, it's a good one. I love it. Star Trek Six is just awesome it's so excellent and especially coming after five which nearly killed the franchise six is just great star trek six yeah, shatner <laughs> star trek six yeah. and star trek four are just oh i love them with my whole yeah. hearts all of my heart well, all of them you'll be very happy for my number four pick then chris because yes. it is a voyage home um and keeping within my framework, the beginning, he has, Spock has that great conversation with his mother when she, you know, mm-hmm. he's recovering from everything that happened in Search for Spock and the computer asks him how he's, how he's feeling. And that, of course, completely stops him cold. And then he has a conversation with his mother about the value and point of emotions. Oh, yeah. And there's a great bookend at the end of the film whenever he sends a message back to his mom saying, tell her I'm fine. Oh, I how feel do fine. you feel? Yeah. How uh, do you feel? It's. Yep. I, yeah. I didn't so, get that watch growing the movie up. anyways, but yes, yes. Yeah. It's great. It's fantastic. It's like that moment in Fahrenheit 451, like, are you happy? Like, uh, oh. there's just like that. It's this, this is wonderful f- way to ask a simple question and suddenly understand something complex about a character. Like, mm-hmm. he can't answer that. Like, that is that yeah. is what's insane. I, I, I love it. It's wonderful. It's so yeah. good. It's one of very few moments, if, I don't know if it's the only one or one of the very few, that it's just Spock and his mom, you know, or Sarek isn't around or someone else. It, they don't tend to have private conversations. So yeah. that was pretty cool. Yeah, totally. Well, yeah, and that's part of that that growth, you know, after after dying and being reborn and all this other stuff and, and just that growth that Spock goes through. I almost did, I almost do wish we had a series to watch that a little bit more, but we do get, we get these three movies. Five, he is kind of a buffoon and then six he has this gravitas back but it's it all starts in four when he's kind of being retrained so yeah i love it yeah that's the funniest thing too is is that i actually began my after watching a next generation was where i lived and i began watching the movies with star trek four and i didn't understand why they were on a bird of prey the entire time uh and then it was until much later in life that i understood that was a trilogy which is fantastic two three and four are a trilogy um and it's it's really well paced. It's really it's it's good. It's a good thing. Absolutely. 
What about you, Tyler? What's yours? Well, my number four takes us all the way back to the beginning, to the first episode of, of Star Trek. But I'm, I'm going to cheat slightly and say the menagerie, the uh, parts one and two. So, like, so the cage is the first episode of Star Trek, but it was, nev- it was never aired. Um, in fact, audiences didn't even see it until, I think, the 80s. But it was aired as part of uh, an episode called The Menagerie in the original series where they, it was basically a clip show where, uh, where Spock steals the Enterprise um, to go get his former captain, Captain Pike, who's, who is uh, bound to a wheelchair after a, a, an accident. Um, and then he takes him, he steals him and, and brings him to this planet called Talos IV. And going to that planet is uh, the only thing, the only death penalty left on the books in the Federation. And mm. along the way, he, Spock is put on trial. He doesn't turn the ship around, um, but he's put on trial for kidnapping and stealing a starship. Um, and uh, along the way, we get these clips of his mission with Captain Pike that took him to Talos, which, is, which are taken from this, this unaired pilot. And so we get this first glimpse of Spock that, that Roddenberry intended, where his eyebrows are, are at this like weirder, more aggressive anger, angle and they're super bushy and he's greener than, than we, than we have him. But the, the reason I chose this is, um, for, for two reasons. Um, Spock smiles, a full on smile in that episode. He, they they beam down to Talos four and they see this weird, like vibrating blue pant plant and he holds on to it. And like, they play with the plant plant for a second and he just full on smiles. Um, which I think is is interesting, and I, I chose that mm-hmm. one because of what we see in in Discovery. The, the trailer for season two is Spock smiles, so there's there's precedent at least for Spock smiling. But I chose and it and in a mock time too, right? Yes, yeah. When when uh, yeah. when Jim when Captain Kirk doesn't die at the end of mock uh, a mock time, yeah, uh, Spock smiles. Spoilers. Good point. Shoot, I should have changed. I should have chosen that one. But uh, the other reason I chose it is that it shows this deep loyalty that he has for for Pike. Awesome. Am I next? Yep, you're next. What, Fantastic. What's, uh, what's your number three, Chris? Number three. Well, for me, it's still in Star Trek VI. It's actually one of the best quotes, I think, from Spock ever. I use it quite a bit with my children. Whenever they've done something naughty and they tell me, no, I didn't do that, I like to say this. When you eliminate the possible, whatever remains, however improbable, must be the truth. And it just, you know, it... it, it you know, it's wonderful. It's a wonderful moment, and uh, and I love it. So they actually get really annoyed now that I, when I say that, but it's true. Whenever you eliminate the impossible, whatever remains, however improbable, must be the truth. It's fantastic. What I what I love about that line um, is is that he's he says an ancestor of mine once said this. Uh-huh, yes. Um, yes. And that's Sherlock Holmes is is who yes. he's quoting. So yes. yes. Somehow Spock is descended from Sherlock Holmes, which yes. I'm fine with. I think you're reading way too far into it. I think that's I think that's Spock being funny. So he's lying to us. Spock lies. No, what is what does he say? Uh, no, not lying, implying. Isn't that what he, he says? Implies, yeah. Yes. Ugh. And then the eyebrow goes. Uh huh. Yep. Because he literally there. Yes. Ugh. There's a, this entire movie. Star Trek Six. This entire movie is about deception. It yep. is. Mm-hmm. It, oh, it's fantastic. That moment too in Star Trek. I almost put it there when. He's having what, her name Valaris, right? Yep. Um, oh, that's so and, tough. And, and he well, but I mean, I love the moment when they he he's talking to her, and um, tr- they're trying to figure out a plan, and she talks about sabot and sabotage, yeah. like that that whole idea of deception and playing games and playing chess. Uh, it's um, man, I love Star Trek Six. In fact, 
mm-hmm. while I was while I was preparing for this like 30 minutes ago, um, I I left Star Trek Six in my Blu-ray player. And I think I'm gonna watch it tonight because that movie is so good. It's so yeah. great. You should. I watched it over the weekend. It's yeah, like same. I know what I want from the movie, and I don't care. I'm watching it again. Yes. It's yes. So good. Yep. All right, Kate. Yeah, what's yours? Sorry. Number three. So. Fittingly, my number three is movie number three, Search for Spock. So good. Which I think it's it's a fairly obvious pick if you want to um, get to know Spock better. But it's it's wonderful on a lot of levels. Uh, from the family framework, there's this wonderful line that Sarek says early on. Uh, he says, my logic is uncertain where my son is concerned. Mm. And that's like as close as he could possibly get to publicly saying, I love my son yeah. and it's messing with me right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just so fantastic. But the, the, the movie on a whole has, you know, it's, it's the links of friendship. What will you do for the people you love? Yeah. Um, I mean, Shatner, spoiler alert, loses his son in pursuit of saving his best friend. Oh. Um, it, it's, it's a movie I think that's underrated, uh, especially I think it tends, to, it tends to get judged a little more harshly by some fans because of it's coming right after the Wrath of Khan and what that sets up. But I think this is the perfect emotional movie which is ironic because it's spock's movie um so beautiful on every level highly recommended watching mm. yeah it gets it gets lumped in with the odd you know there's the the odd movie theory about star trek movies where if, you know one three yeah. and five are terrible one one three five seven seven would be generations and insurrection is nine like mm-hmm. i i disagree with a, a whole bunch of that but i think it's unfair to yeah to lump uh, Star Trek three and with that, I think it's great. And and for the absence of Spock, it's great. You know, yes. it's it's all his effect, his absence. What does it do to his friends? It's great. Mm. Absolutely. Well, my yeah. third is uh, this side of paradise, which is uh, an episode where Spock uh, Spock falls in love. It's just awesome. So he he gets these weird spores that uh, that attack him on a planet and make him fall in love with the woman, and and he. Uh, he and Jim fight in the in the transporter room, and uh, it's I think it's just a uh, one of those episodes that breaks from the norm and really gets uh, Leonard Nimoy's acting chops to to be shown uh, in a different way. But then also to show that Spock is is an emotional being. He's just got logic, um, you know, on the surface restraining it all. So I think it's a it's an excellent episode. It's a under under discussed episode. I think. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, and the woman who plays, uh, the actress who plays the woman he falls in love with, I don't know if she was then Charles Bronson's life, wife or, or later, but that's always an amusing connection for me. Yeah, hmm. yeah. I I, th- I think I read that because I did I did a full rewatch. I think I read that about her, but I can't remember what it what it said. But and she's she's pretty good in it. She's she's a good counterpoint to Spock. Basically, just saying mm-hmm. like, at first, you know, why can't you love me? She's been in love with him for a long time, but you know, he yeah. has never been able to show it, and um, so it it works nicely. Yeah. Cool. Chris, what about you? All right, we're, we're getting to our top two. Number two. Look, we've all been there. Public transportation. Some guy sitting next to us, big old boombox, playing a punk rock song. You know, I hate you. And, you know, it's just, it's annoying everyone on the bus. And everyone's having a problem with it. We've asked nicely. We've said, sir, would you mind turning it down? Just not turning that music down. Music, noise pollution, man. We've all wanted, at that moment, to have a Spock with us who would reach oh. over and just simply Vulcan neck pinch that dude and uh, make him go to bye-bye. Good, make him go sleep-sleep. And uh, that's exactly what happened in Star Trek Four. And it's the most, it's the funniest moment. I love it. Yep. It's fantastic. Um, Spock does it. The entire crowd goes wild and he just still sits there just like, you know, whatever. I just, you know, 
it's it's wonderful. It's a great moment, and uh, I love it. So Star Trek Four, the bus scene, and also I'm just going to add in uh, colorful metaphors because yes. I use yes. I use that with my children too. Whenever they hear overhear something happening, like if we're in a public area and somebody's cursing or whatever, and they're like, well, "Daddy, what are they saying?" I'm saying, "They're honey. They're just using colorful metaphors. It's not a big deal. Let's just keep going." So um, <laughs> it's uh, it's great. It's great. It's good stuff. I think he did a little too much LDS. I think LDS, LDS, yes. Yep. yes. <laughs> LDS, that's right. Kate, what about you? Well, What's your number two? That's a fantastic segue into my number two, um, which is Yesteryear nice. from the animated series. I think I'm the only one who picked one. Um, and I'll tell you in just a moment why it's an excellent segue. But for those of you who've never seen the animated series... I'm sorry, I haven't either. You can watch this episode without having seen anything else because it is episode two of season one and there's no story, anything you have to worry about. It's, it's a good standalone. But the reason why it's a great segue is in this story, we have Spock traveling back in time to, finish, to fix a timeline error and he teaches his younger Spock self how to do the Vulcan pinch. No. In this episode. It's true. Totally. totally. To a very yes. large creature. Interesting. Yes. That's interesting. It's also uh, a DC Fontana episode who has written some of the best episodes of Star Trek, period. Hmm. She was kind of there. the showrunner on, on the animated series. Yeah. Um, so um, in this episode, though, uh, you get to see young Spock with his family. He has to do a form of a quest to make his decision about emotion versus logic, etc. So there's there's lots of, you know, goodies in there, but it's Spock's childhood and we don't get much of that. So hmm. it's worth your time. Cool. So, Chris, I had this is for my number two. Chris, I had uh, Spock's colorful metaphors on there as well. His uh, oh, did Spock you? trying to swear is what I said. So I'm going to I'm going to switch to my backup. Oh, OK, because uh, I love that one. I, hang, I, hang on that, just one second. Did you have a yeah. backup for every point? Did no, you a... but this is one I wanted to include. So, OK, I'm, cool. I'm, I'm cheating and throwing this in there Sweet. because I was expecting this one to come up and maybe it will. And I'm so sorry if I'm stealing yours. But I just want to say pain. Pain where Spock oh. is like he's he's mind melding with the stinking pizza monster, the Horda, and he's just shouting pain for an hour and a half and he's 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 uh he's going on and on and on about all these thoughts that this pizza rug monster has. Uh-huh. And as much as I, I think it's corny, I think Leonard Nimoy acts the crap out of it because he's sitting there with this weird puppet by himself and having to act uh, you know this this the heck out of this serious part, and it's it's just is it's hard to buy. When you say pizza rug it. monster, I'm thinking like a monster the from Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Yeah. like oh. it's it's that bad. I'm thinking Pizza the Hut from Spaceballs is what I always always okay. always think when I think of the Horda. But yeah, that's gotcha. my that's my favorite part or favorite wow. part. Chris, you're number one. Where we Look, at? there is only there's one right answer here. If we're thinking about best moments for. Spock, it is his death in Star Trek II. Um, oh, you like that scene? Oh. Uh, yeah, I know. Nobody likes that. Oh, gross. Uh, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Live long and... Pro- I mean, guys, like, what... Rip your heart Oh, you're talking is- about the scene that they do in Star Trek Into Darkness at the end. Yeah, can we not talk about that oh, one? Is that- oh, not okay. <laughs> is that not the- okay. It, they take everything that was meaningful and then strip meaning and just redid it for fan service and it backfired. It- and then they cure death, 
right after that. Which didn't, but, there was no, no, yeah, it was really bad. There were no, um, what is it called? Uh, stakes. It was, no, you knew it was no. coming. Oh, I can bring this triple back to life. Yeah. Uh, like 20 minutes <laughs> earlier. And you're like, oh, really? Is that, we're going to, mm, we're going to do thing. what's on the triple to the captain. Mm. Cool. That is the trouble with tribbles. Cool. <laughs> Ah. Okay, I'm so sorry. I, bring, bring it back. Bring us back to that emotion. Yeah, I was going to say you've ruined everything, and I cannot continue. But that moment, um, I've got. I know it's weird, but I've got a uh, Christmas ornament with that scene. Um, with uh, what? yeah, it's it. literally it's your Christmas miracle. Yeah, it is. It is. Friend. It is. It's the death of death of Spock. Um, it's wonderful, and uh, wow. you click on it, and it does say the needs of the many oh. outweigh. That's so cool. The needs of the few. Oh wow! Live and they can't and like prosper. they can't touch each other. There's no. like, the the glass between them. Oh, uh-huh. it's so good. And Kirk Kirk yeah, Kirk Kirk, Kirk reciprocates and and puts yes. his hand against. I mean, come on! Like it is. It's it's yeah. it, outside of Star Trek. It is one of the most famous movie yeah. moments. I mean, if you see you know a, a, a clip of you know the famous moments in movie history that is one of there. them it, it should be it is it's 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 wonderful it's wonderful it so anyway that is that is my my number one and the correct answer uh, for number yes. one uh, yeah i don't know why we're talking about any other i don't either it's actually i don't we should just do an entire episode on that we could kate you're number two um, you mean my number one? Yeah, number one, oh, I lied. think. Well, nothing is better than Chris's, so we'll just put that out there. But if there has to be a second best, I'm going to go for Spock's family with Journey to Babel, where you get introduced to his family for the first time. It's a murder mystery episode. Um, there's this great moment when Sarek shows up with Amanda on the ship, and they're completely ignoring Spock like he's not there. And uh, whenever the captain asks Spock to show them around the ship, they don't want anything to do with hanging out with Spock. Um, you find out why Spock and his dad don't get along and haven't for a really long time. Um, it's it's a great setup for everything that comes after that uh, with, I mean, his fa- his relationship with his father in many ways is the most important relationship of his life um, in family, um, not counting adopted family, which is the Enterprise itself, of course. Um, and all so. of the many adopted siblings that he has, just the seemingly endless number of them. Enough already. Yeah, yeah, I actually considered that. Mike, did I put that on the list because Cybok is, you know, theoretically his his brother, but he doesn't really exist outside of movie five mm-hmm. and outside of the extended universe. And Michael, right? Uh, books and Michael. Yeah. Well, but she exists outside of one place that we don't care about, so there's that, you know. We so do I try to forget ignore that Project Five exists a few times. Yeah. As we should. So Journey to Babel, highly recommended if you if you just want. One place to see Spock's relationship with his family. It's a great place to start. And this is uh, from the original series. It's uh, season two. I believe it's episode 10. Awesome. Yeah, I, I agree. That's a great episode. I, I really thought about having that one. I, I love also his, his interaction with his, with his mom when she's she's doing that mom thing of embarrassing her son when she yes. talks about uh, the pet say lot, which, is in, which makes an appearance in, in, uh, appearance in yesteryear. Um, and McCoy is like, oh, he had a teddy bear. And she's like, yeah, a teddy bear with six-inch six fangs. It's yes. great. Uh, so my choice, my my number one choice was Galileo 7, which is 
I honestly think that's uh, the best Spock episode of the original series. Um, like like we said, I think there are some better moments in the movies, um, the really really good ones, and and um, we've we've talked about those. But this one, in terms of just Spock getting a leading role, he's uh, is his first command. So they there's a there's a shuttle that that crash lands on a planet. Spock's in charge. Everybody is gunning for him. Everybody is criticizing him for being, you know, cold and logical and all this other stuff. But Spock uh, is able to to kind of take command and saves everybody. Well, almost everybody because, you know, there's some red shirts in there. So anyway, I think that's fantastic. And it brings us uh, that brings us to the end. So that's that's our Spock episode, everybody. Is there anything else uh, left to say? Like what about about Spock? We're, we're about to see him. We're about to meet him in, in Discovery. Um, anything that you guys are are just like not looking forward to them doing with Spock or are we just kind of along for the ride see what happens I think I'm going to say something I am looking forward to which is when we first see Spock in the original series there's already an established relationship that he has with the crew of the Enterprise and so theoretically since this is a much younger Spock that relationship has yet to be developed or is in the early stages and so um, I'm really curious to see what they do with him as a character that explains how he becomes the Spock we know later. Yeah, no, it's going to be interesting. I, you know, I've said this a lot about Discovery, and I feel like it's just going to be a continuing thought I have going forward. I just feel like they're handcuffed by the future, right? They have to end yeah. in someplace. And if we're bringing Spock on board, we know he's not going to be there very long, and we know he can't die unless he's mere Spock and they're doing another, you know, twist moment on us. I, I don't know. I, I'm just, I, I just feel like I wish they could be doing new stuff rather than us going back to, you know, a well that we're all very familiar with. So I'm hoping there's going to be something interesting done with his character that makes it justified and not just purely mm-hmm. fan service of like, we've got Spock, yeah. we've got Pike. Um, it just feels a little lazy to me. Like, yeah, I, I, of course you could always have gone there. Um, does that mean Sulu is there? Isn't Sulu, um, helmsman? No, Spock is the only one. Spock is the only one that crosses over. He is. Okay. Mm -hmm. For some reason I thought he was too, but okay. Sulu actually isn't even the helmsman in the, the first, the first Kirk episode. He's, he's actually like a science officer. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Well, anyway, I, 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 it'll be interesting to see how, how this all, pans out for me i'm hoping it's justified um i i'm very excited about it i like the the actor that they have playing pike um Mm -hmm. we don't really know how spock fits into the story yet Uh, we understand that he's i guess traveling the galaxy looking at these nine red bursts and has seen this angel that's all we've heard really in the trailers so but we don't know his role and what part he's going to play so We'll see. I'm hoping it's justified and it is, it's cool. Yeah. Like I had mentioned before, I think that that interview with Kurtzman really reassured me on a lot of that, that they were really trying to honor the character. Yeah. Um, and that, and that actually it's part of Michael's story. Uh, basically they, they kind of, he hinted at that they're going to try and answer why have we never heard of Michael Burnham? before mm-hmm. so you know what what is that rift there must be a rift between them although we hadn't heard of cyborg for so long but you know what is that rift between them is there some reason why he's never spoken of her um so yeah i i'm i'm really mm-hmm. intrigued to see where they where they go with that 
So yeah, that was part of my inspiration for making a family list. Was she's you know family, and why don't we know about her? What what are the reasons behind that? And so you know, sort of establishing a pattern of how Spock relates to his family. Uh, that that's what took me down that road. Yeah. Uh, so next week, guys, we'll be in uh, our, with our first review of Star Trek Discovery Season 2. The first episode is called Brother, so I suspect that we will be seeing Spock right away. Unless, yeah, unless, like we're saying, maybe we just meet Cybok right away, and that'll be kind of cool. Ooh, uh, yeah. So as always, follow us on on Twitter on uh, at, at The Next Trek and on Facebook. Let us know if we're crazy. Let us know what your favorite Spock moments are, if we just left something out, uh, or if we are uh, just completely wrong with with everything, tell us whether or not Chris is wrong for thinking that that uh, the Wrath of Khan is the that the end of it is just the best of everything because we just can't let Chris be right about stuff. So I'm sorry, it's objectively true that that is the best <laughs> Spock moment. It just is. I win. I, thank you, ladies and gentlemen. I'd like to thank the Academy. <laughs> it's true. Always, Kate's agreeing with me. Are you not agreeing with us, yeah. Tyler? Tyler, wait a minute. Before we leave, you have to say yes. Chris is right. I need to hear that from you. It is only logical. In this case, Chris happens to also be right. Yay! All right, we can end the show. We can end the show now. This entire time I've been waiting to hear those words. It's... I can't... Just, you know what? Live long and prosper, everybody. I just... That's... We'll leave it there. Bye, everybody. So now Chris... Chris is gonna edit out that that Chris is right part, and it's gonna play at the end of every episode. Exactly. Yeah. Chris is right. 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 <laughs> Chris is right. <laughs>